0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella, your host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. In today's episode, we'll hear a recent discussion among three of our analysts on the current priorities for European B2B sales and marketing leaders. If you like what you hear today, check out our upcoming Summit EMEA event, where all three of these folks will present. Find a link to that event in this week's episode show notes on the Forrester website. Let's take a listen. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Forrester's LinkedIn live session. I am Isabel Montestioca, the Group Director and VP for Demand Services here at Forrester, and I'm joined today by two of my colleagues, Meta Karagiani, who is VP and Research Director for our International Marketing Executive Services, and Phil Harrell, who is Group Director and VP for our Sales Executive Services. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Hi, Isabel. Good to be here. Now, today's topic is top priorities for European sales and marketing leaders in B2B. Now, Madhuf, I I think it's probably fair to say that no matter what business you're in, and by business, I mean, you know, vertical, um, you know, size, offering, country, um, but no matter which business you're in, whatever business plans you put in place at the beginning of the year, probably there very little resemblance to what's actually being executed on right now. Uh, Phil, if you, uh, you know, can share with us, how do you see sales leaders' priorities changing over the past six months as a result of what's been going on this year?
1: Yeah, You said it, Isabelle, there have been so many changes. Nobody could have predicted what we had at the beginning of 2020. I think a lot of sales leaders were focused on let's grow, 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 going into 2020. And then all of a sudden that pandemic hit and threw all the plans out the window. And so so, instead of focusing on, okay, we've got our plans in place, let's execute, let's grow like crazy. A lot of sales leaders had to pause and take a step back and use COVID as an opportunity to figure out, okay, what are we going to do differently now that we have a huge slowdown with some of our verticals, some of our customers? Uh, what can we do differently to help us get through this tough period to make sure that we take care of our existing clients, to make sure we grow at the rate that's that's possible given what's happening? And just as importantly, how do we keep our employees morale up, keep people excited and motivated to be there? And so what it's really uh, caused and really required sales leaders to do is step back and think, first of all, okay, what are the industries that are still uh, thriving in the age of pandemic? This pandemic has certainly created winners and losers, and the winners in the industries, how do we make sure we double down on those industries uh, and put more resources to bear in terms of coverage to keep those, uh, to get more sales out of those uh, industries that are growing? How do we take care of our existing clients? Making sure that the ones that are really, um, that have been long-term clients, we're taking care of them, we're helping them grow, helping them through this problem time uh, so that they can be successful and that we can be successful helping them. So those are some of the changes that that have occurred. And then also with the employees, uh, how do we actually make sure that we can manage in a remote environment? How do we keep our employees motivated and excited? How do we also give them the skills that are required from a virtual perspective to engage with their clients and to engage with their prospects in the digital sphere? Uh, Many companies that have historically had field sales operations that are used to seeing their their customers face-to-face have really struggled to figure out how do we actually do this in this new normal when you're meeting virtually you're doing things like this? How do you engage with your prospects and clients? So really what it's required sales leaders to do to summarize when you think going forward, it's to really step back and reinvent Uh, the way they're doing business in terms of the way they do their coverage, the way they do their org structure, the investments that they make, where they decide to invest going into 2021 in verticals that are actually being successful. It's requiring a a real reinvention from a sales leader's perspective to help their sales teams be successful in this uncertain time.
0: I love that word, reinvention, both externally facing and internally facing. Um, That's really, really important. Uh, Meta, how about from your side?
2: How have you seen marketing leaders' priorities changed through this year? So uh, if we look um, ahead, um, I think CMOs need to be uh, super ready for a time of hyper-agility. As uh, Phil mentioned, we need to pivot the organization, right? We need to reinvent uh, ourselves. And that has a couple of different um, implications for CMOs. One is how we operate and how we create those plans uh, going forward alongside with the sales organization and the product organization. And one of the things that I'm hearing constantly with our discussions is the agility and the resilience of our plans going forward. One of the things that um, um, I hope it's going to last post the pandemic, many organizations, as they were pivoting their efforts, they really put the customer and the customer need at the heart of what they were doing. I saw many organizations thinking outside of the product lines, really thinking what is the need and what are the capabilities that we have, irrespectively of which business unit, which division, which part of our internal construct those capabilities come from, really stitching them together and respond to those needs to our audience. Maybe because we didn't have any other choice, right? so that audience-centricity, CMOs, if they can find ways to continue to fuel it within the organization, I think that will be a great win forward. So that is one. The second one that is highly interconnected is how do we mobilize resources? To Phil's point, many organizations moved to remote working, Um, teams needed to be mobilized, engaged, So the CMOs started to think at different ways to break down functional silos, and they will need to continue to do that to mobilize resources dynamically. Alongside with that, I think the pandemic has done one key thing. They exposed any gaps that we had in the marketing organization, whether it was skill gaps, whether it was process gaps, whether it was technology gaps. So we see a lot of CMOs taking advantage of the Period that they have ahead of them to really prepare the organization to propel forward to come out of the current situation stronger ahead of them That's fantastic. So not only
0: reinvention as Phil said, but also resilience and that focus on development really really key so if we if we look forward into the future Uh, I mean, Forster has written a lot of reports with regards to the long-term impacts of the pandemic, covering things like uh, the acceleration of digital consumption by buyers, um, doing things like investing in what was once thought impossible ways of working uh, and being, uh, as well as, uh, as you were mentioning, Meta, this focus on resilience as opposed to perhaps uh, what has previously been a focus on efficiency. Uh, Meta, if I was to ask you uh, what you see in, with your marketing leaders, um, uh, what does the future hold for them?
2: Sure. So, a couple of things here. Um, again, it started through the pandemic. One of the things that stood out is we needed to engage with our audiences with empathy and authenticity, right? Uh, I think this this will carry forward. In fact, uh, in our annual CMO study, one of the things that we've been asking CMOs is what are some of the priorities going forward? And developing and executing an authentic brand uh, was top of the list back then before the pandemic, I think it will continue to come forward. What is important here, is that it is not just how we create the brand values and communicate in a tagline, in a creative, um, in our website, in our ads, is how do we get those values activated in the marketplace. And that means much more work around educating the employees, making them understand within their own context, how they bring those values to life on behalf of the organization. So I definitely believe we will see much more work around uh, that. Second one is, uh, I think the CMO alongside uh, with the sales leader and the product leader will continue to pivot the organization and the go-to-market plans, continuously refining, um, targeting and focusing um, ahead. With that, uh, it will mean the CMO will continuously adapt where we're going to place our investments in terms of our demand efforts, in terms of our reputation efforts, in terms of our engagement efforts. And what is interesting, Isabel, I think as we look externally in the organization, complexity is going up for marketing leaders. Just as an example, our buyer study shows that buyer purchases in 2019, around 60% had four or more people involved, as opposed to 47% in 2017. So what does that mean for the CMO? Well, it means, first of all, we need to pivot the organization, stop thinking about individual leads, to thinking about this buying group that we need to engage, convert, pass on to sales and work with sales um, to close it. So a number of implications in terms of how we stand up our programs, how we stand up content, our messaging, creating messaging and content, not only for individual buyers, but for that buying group as well. The second and associated area here is that the CMO will have to align the pre with the post sales customer journey. Uh, We have been seeing increasingly marketing, being more involved in the post-sale, but now we have an opportunity to take some of the muscles that we have used on the buyer side, for example, muscles around understanding where the buyer is in the buyer journey, Um, engaging with them in the right way, predicting maybe what is the next best interaction on the buyer side. Take these muscles and applying them on the customer side and do some work to predict whether we have issues with customer retention and get ahead of their retention and help the business to grow. Interesting,
0: so authenticity applied not only through the buyer journey, but through that customer life cycle and really looking at all the people involved, really, really important. Um, Phil, how about you? What do you think the future holds for sales leaders in Europe?
1: I think it's all about uh, reimagining the entire customer journey I'll, you know kind of key on what meta had said in terms of sales leaders and that, and that reinvention really the the sales uh, organizations the marketing organizations that are going to win the future are the ones that deliver the best customer experience and that's buying experience through the buyer's journey and also the customer experience after they become a customer and in order to do that sales marketing leaders need to step back and not just look at making incremental changes to the buyer's journey but actually like I said before reimagine the entire journey uh, and think what can, how can we make sure we've designed everything with the buyer in mind and the customer in mind to make it as seamless as possible to engage that buyer in the way they want to engage? And that means for a lot of particular uh, to products, That probably means a lot of self-directed learning up front. Uh, Buyers are increasingly interested in doing a lot of their own learning about products and services before they engage with the sales organization. And that means instead of making it difficult for buyers to do that, uh, give them what they want. And so this reorientation, uh, not designing your sales process to sell the way you want to sell, but reorienting your sales process to sell that mimics the way that buyers want to buy, it sounds very simple, but many organizations aren't doing that today. And what this COVID and this pandemic has offered is organizations an opportunity to reimagine and reinvent, rethink everything they do with the buyer in mind and to use automation and data. Because your buyers now are increasingly doing more uh, investigation online, that means you have more information about what they want and what they're doing. And that means you can reimagine the entire process from end to end so that you as a sales leader and a marketing leader can give them the experience that they want, which is in the actuality in the future probably is the big competitive advantage is can you deliver a best in class buying experience and that bought the customer experience once they become a customer does that match the expectations that you set for them during the buyer's journey and if you can do that extremely well and have a buyer at the end of that journey at the end of becoming a customer and they're getting value from that product say that was an amazing experience the salesperson every time i needed something they responded quickly they anticipated my needs They didn't aggressively try to close me. It was very natural to close, and the expectations that were set during the buying process, were met during the onboarding process, and when I became a customer, the value that I got delivered based on buying the solution matched the expectations that I had when I w- that were set by the sales and marketing teams. That is a best-in-class buying and customer experience. That is what you should be shooting for, and it can be done. That's exciting. So, so don't use this as an opportunity. All these changes that are happening, everything is up for grabs. Use it as an opportunity going forward to capitalize on it to figure out how do we actually put the buyer at the center of everything we do. Make our organization seller friendly, because in order to meet those buyer needs, that means you have to be seller friendly. That means the whole organization has to orient itself and the processes they engage to make it easy for your salespeople to deliver that experience to the buyers. And I tell you, sales leaders, if your sellers are having trouble getting quotes turned around, uh, we do sales activity studies with, we've done it now with 25,000 reps, over 150 different sales organizations where we've gotten data about what they're uh, frustrated by. Reps get frustrated by the amount of time it takes to turn around quotes, the amount of time it takes to turn around uh, contracts, And if you're making it hard on your sellers to get quotes back to customers and to get contracts back to customers, you bet you're not providing a best-in-class experience because your buyers are feeling that at the other end. So you've got to, and that means, as Meta was talking about, this is cross-functional. You must engage with marketing leaders and product leaders, uh, with the legal team, the finance team, to get them all on board to help you engage the buyers in the way they want, to be hyper-responsive to their needs. And that's what's going to differentiate you in the future.
0: I love that, and it is so true. Uh, reinventing the whole buying process, um, but both for the seller and for the buyer so that it is as effortless as possible for both folks. Um, so let's actually come back to present day now because we are entering planning season. Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of difficult to plan for 2021 when the only thing that you can absolutely bet on is change. Uh, so, um, Phil, If you were to give the folks on the line one piece of advice on what they can do in order to have sales and marketing be better prepared to handle some of these sudden changes, what would that one piece of advice be?
1: I think you have to be armed with data. It is so much so unpredictable. So often marketing and sales has gone into planning season with internal data but they haven't had access to the external data that will tell them based on what's happening with COVID or pandemic, what are the expectations of what we can expect per industry, for example, per vertical. And I think it's so critical this year, you know, Forrester has tremendous amount of data, external data that we gather that can predict, for example, next year, given COVID, different scenarios, what we expect in growth per industry, per different technologies, so that you, when you're designing your marketing plan and your sales plan, you actually have external data that you can base your assumptions on. Uh, that when you're having that discussion with your CEO or your board of directors, when they wanna know what can we expect next year in terms of growth, instead of sitting there and saying, well, this has been a bottoms up roll up, Uh, in terms of data, this is what we expect based on what we've heard internally. You can actually go to the table armed with both external data that's rolled up from your teams, but you also have that external validation uh, of, hey, this is what we're hearing about what the expectations of growth are by vertical, by industry, by technology. And those should intersect so that you can give a really good forecast, a credible forecast to help make sure that you get a number that's reasonable, that's reliable. Everybody up is thinking about next year, trying to figure out, What should I be expecting in terms of growth? Don't come armed with only internal data. Go make sure that you have the external data to support your arguments, that you're confident that you say, this is what we can do as a combined sales marketing and product team in terms of delivering and growth. And you have that data to have great conversations. Otherwise, you're gonna end up in the year, starting the year with a number that's not reasonable because you didn't have the data to help back you up Uh, in terms of what the number should be and what the expectations should be set with the CEO or the board. So I think it's critically important in this time of uncertainty to have good external data to base your arguments and use facts to help you when you're thinking about planning for next year.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Phil. Really, really good data and really, really good advice. Um, how about you, Meta? What if I was to ask you for one piece of advice uh, that sales and marketing leaders could follow in order to better align uh, so that they can weather the ups and downs of the changes, what
2: one piece of advice would you give? So, I'll go to a little bit of a drier subject that sometimes uh, gets people um, uh, a little bit afraid. One is uh, the KPIs, so the measurement. Because ultimately, if you think measurement drives behaviors, Behaviors drive results, results drive investments and efforts within the organization. So here um, B2B revenue engine leaders, sales and marketing have a unique opportunity to really go back to their KPIs and the B2B measurement performance systems they have. We are going to bring into the EMEA Summit, Isabel, some fascinating work that we've done where we uncovered that predominantly today the dashboards that we are using Our inward focus. 70% of our metrics look at how we perceive value um, that we are extracting from our interactions with buyers and customers. And the second is that we are our our performance metrics are out of balance, predominantly focusing on the buyer side, not the entire buyer and customer lifecycle. As we discussed, this is extremely important. So the one thing that I will definitely recommend for B2B. Uh, revenue engine leaders to do is to revisit their dashboards to audit them to see where they have key gaps and create a more balanced view of value that we bring in the organization through the buyer through the customer life cycle but also through the eyes of our audience okay thank you so much i mean i think those are both great pieces of advice
0: if you're thinking about some of the advice that you would give to different european sales leaders Um, Does that advice differ at all depending on what industry you're talking to?
1: Well, I think there are some common, uh, regardless of industry, some of the things we've talked about, Meta and I, here are consistent across industry. So when you're thinking about reimagining the buyer's experience and the customer journey, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. The, the companies that can figure out how to deliver the best-in-class experience are going to win in the future, regardless of what industry. So so that opportunity to reimagine if you're uh, in manufacturing or you're in finance or technology, uh, that that's going to be very, very consistent regardless. The, the need to actually make sure that you have data uh, when you're planning for next year, external data to validate the growth rate, and what you expect, and where you should do your coverage based on which industries you're pursuing are going to grow fast, and which ones aren't, based on the impact of COVID. Again, consistent regardless of of the industry that you're in. Obviously, when you there are some differences when you get into uh, certain industries, and you have long sales cycles, for example, they're enterprise type sales cycles uh, versus pursuing other industries where you have you know high velocity sales. Uh, motions, that might be some differences in terms of how you think about what you do for next year. Um, uh, and certainly in the technology industry, certain industries are, as we talked about, Matt and I, certain industries are growing really quickly or s- benefiting from this COVID. Uh, for example, technology, we're seeing a lot of growth in certain technology companies that are benefiting from the remote work from home uh, versus finance or, or maybe healthcare, some other industries that are, that are, that are having more, being more impacted Uh, by what's happening with COVID. So certainly I think some of the trends that Meta and I have described are very general and are applicable across industries. Uh, And then some of the things that are specific uh, will be based on the particular industry you're in, uh, how you're being impacted by COVID, whether your sales motion is high velocity, whether your sales motion is enterprise, there'll be some specifics there, but the top level things that we've talked about are really consistent across industries.
0: Perfect, thank you. Um, and thank you both so much. You've both been fantastic uh, in answering my questions uh, and the questions from the audience as well. Um, now I know we're running up against time here. So I just want to uh, mention, uh, because I know both of you will be on stage soon at uh, Forrester's summit in EMEA on October 6th and the 7th. Um, and you'll be presenting on topics that are actually are really, really close to some of the things we've been talking about today. Uh, so, uh, maybe Meta, I'll ask you first.
2: Uh, what are you going to be sharing with us at Summit this year? Well, first of all, I'm super excited that uh, Summit is uh, coming along. As you know, Isabel, we have lined up 60 more best practice presentations. And our teams have been working really hard to stand up those uh, presentations. So personally, I will be presenting at our Executive Leadership Exchange, which is a by invitation only program, a session that is about help me help you. We are going to be looking at some softer best practices in terms of collaboration, how sales, marketing, and product leaders, uh, what can they do to support each other and collaborate more effectively. Then in main tent, we will talk about building that resilience across revenue engine, sales and marketing annual plans. Uh, in our marketing executive track, I will have the pleasure of talking about breaking down silos and create more operational effectiveness within the organization and reshaping the marketing value and the stakeholder perception of marketing value. Perfect, thank you. And Phil,
0: what can we look forward to from you at Summit?
1: Well, we've got some great Summit content coming around, uh, sales just in general. We have some terrific sales tracks, uh, focused on a couple areas. One is, as Meta mentioned, things about resilient plans, how to make sure that you're planning effectively for next year. That's obviously gonna be a hot topic for us, given the fact that it's so important for our clients uh, right now to be thinking about that. And we've got some very specific uh, other sales track sessions, which are exciting around reorganization in terms of how to think about sales reorg. As I talked about during this session, you have a, a lot of need to think about rethink your coverage to make sure that you're applying your resources effectively against the industries that are growing versus industries maybe that are not expected to grow as fast. Uh, We'll also have a great session around sales methodology in terms of how to think about sales methodology. So important to make sure when you're thinking about predictability and scalability and repeatability in your sales motion to make sure that you have a sales methodology that's effectively applied. So many organizations make a mistake uh, in how they apply sales methodology and the investments they make and they don't get the return. So that'll be a a key area. And then some really good sessions on channels as well in terms of how to think about the investments you make in channels, where to make those investments. Certainly, that's a a big area of interest in EMEA, uh, given the fact that many, U.S.-based companies use channels effectively in to, to from a distribution perspective, uh, and so I think that's going to be a very important one, too. We're going to have some really great sessions. We'll, as Meta said, we'll have ELE for the sales executives to have an opportunity to hear about some of the topics she mentioned, so should be a very robust uh, session that uh, hopefully will help sales leaders be successful in 2021.
0: Thank you. I know I'm really looking forward to attending um, a lot of those sessions, and really a lot of the topics you guys have mentioned are so on point. Uh, for the things that we've discussed uh, today. I think that is all we have got time for, um, even though we would love to continue the conversation with all of you. All that remains uh, is for me to say thank you to Meta, Phil, and all of you for joining us today. Um, All the best and stay safe. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.